Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Betty Radosevich of Soonerscoop.com as well as Franchise Oklahoma. And as always, Eddie, it's good to talk with you, my man. How are you? Gentlemen, good afternoon. How's it going? I'm excited about this one. Yeah, yeah. Are you excited because Oklahoma's playing really good basketball and pumped up, or would you be excited no matter what it was? I love the BOK Center. I think it offers for a uh, terrific college basketball venue. But, yeah, it does help that Oklahoma seemingly has uh, put together a uh, competent basketball team. And I don't think you could have said that the first two years under Porter Moser. And, you know, it's been a, a pleasant surprise. I think that's probably the best place to start is they went out and they were finally able to get some guys on the transfer portal that have been able to come in and contribute, namely J.V. McCollum. He's kind of led the way in terms of what they've been able to get out of the transfer uh, portal. And it's, it's just been nice to see a, uh, a fun brand of basketball in Norman America for the first time in a couple of years. Well, speaking of that fun brand of basketball, what's the style of play like this season? Yeah, they want to get up and down. And, you know, I, I think DCO is kind of a, uh, a moniker that they use quite a bit, defense creating offense. And uh, it's, they want to get out and run. They've been able to do that here over the course of the first eight games. And it's really been spearheaded by, uh, you know, like I said, like J.B. McCollum. And then they've gotten a couple other guys that have come back and have taken steps in their second year under Porter Moser. Two pair of top 100 guys, Lofuzon and uh, Otega Owe, have seemingly uh, kind of developed themselves into uh, kind of the guys that they thought they would be after having to really be thrown into the fire last year as freshmen. So, uh, yeah, I would say they want to get up and down. That's kind of the big question mark right now just in terms of execution in the half court. Uh, they were able to kind of get away with it against USC. And obviously last week they end the game on a 33-11 run on Tuesday night against Providence. So, so far, so good. Well, I was looking at some of the numbers too, Eddie. I've just We'll start with the offensive side of the things. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's had some uh, really good scoring outlets, uh, I guess, against if you're talking about mid-majors, I think they're averaging 91 points a game. But then when they go up against power opponents, uh, it drops down to 74 points per game. But uh, the efficiency and everything's been really good. But just offensively itself, what is it that makes Oklahoma so good at getting out there and getting these high scoring games? Because it seems like the free throw rate's not very high, but they're really good at free throw percentage. Uh, really good at two points, but maybe not right there with three points. Just what makes them so good offensively to get these high-scoring affairs? Yeah, I think it's kind of uh, been a combo of J.B. McCollum and Luke on finding ways to work amongst each other. Uh, you know, I think it starts there with the two perimeter players. and uh, You know, they've been able to share the basketball. I think that's something that, uh, you know, probably doesn't get enough attention. They had 26 assists against, I was just going to pine Now, granted, the, the competition probably is going to be on Saturday afternoon. That they have been able to distribute, and then they've just been able to knock down open shots. I think that that is a, quite the difference, and they did it really go. And, uh, you know, on top of that, they're hitting another transfer form that came in from Pitt. It's uh, the first time in a long time that Oklahoma had to buy. And that has been dramatically uh, different for Oklahoma in terms of what they've been able to do and work things through him, as well as Sam Godwin, who's back for his second season, got put on scholarship. Uh, during the summer last year, and it's really kind of uh, come together for them. They've complemented each other really well. What's the competition been like for OU so far this season? What, what's been their best win? Uh, I would say probably the USC game out in San Diego it was part of a children's classic out there during Feast Week, and you know they beat up on Iowa in the first game, and then they were able to outlast USC in an overtime game in which uh, they were able to uh, kind of claw out of a 10-point pull in the second half. So I would say USC, I think that in terms of athleticism, 
and ability. Arkansas is probably going to be their first real massive test in terms of how everything holds up, especially in the front court. But at the same time, I think that, you know, just coming from where this team has been over the last two years, it's a uh, dramatically fun shift to watch and uh, kind of take place. Speaking with Eddie Radosevich of Soonerscoop.com here on Out of Bounds. Uh, Eddie, just in general, when it comes to a lot of things that Oklahoma's done well, I know you mentioned those, but if there was a weakness or maybe there's something that Arkansas could exploit and really have success against Oklahoma, what has been that big weakness for the Sooners? Yeah, I think it's it's certainly going to be making them execute in the half court if they can't get out and run offensively. And then reversely, I think that, you know, the, as good as John Hughesley and Sam Godwin have been inside, I think that Trayvon Brazil is probably one of the first uh, massive, massive tests. And if they get into foul trouble, I'm going to be interested to see what they do. Uh, did they put in Luke Northweather, who's in his second season at Oklahoma? Uh, not your everyday five, though. I think they want to be more of a stretch four with him. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing. Uh, rebounding is something that Porter Moser has talked about time and time again. Uh, they've been able to kind of get away with it and do it without just a bunch of size. But at the same time, uh, you know, the big boys are going to need to show up on Saturday. What's that rotation been like for the big man? You got a, a 6'11 player and another 6'10, 6'9. So got some pretty good size. But, you know, in you mentioning it, it sounds like they don't necessarily play a lot together. No, they don't. And I think that that's been the most interesting part is they've been really complimentary of one another. Uh, just it, it seems like one would give six, seven good minutes, and then the other one comes in and, uh, and does the same. So they've really kind of built themselves, but they haven't been out on the floor at the same time. Thank God was coming off an illness in which he missed the Arkansas Pine Bluff game a week ago. Uh, he looked pretty good on uh, Tuesday night against Providence, and that was kind of one of the first real big tests to see where this thing kind of stacks up. So they've been able to get away with it, but again, I think Saturday is going to be a much stronger test. Yeah, because I think I saw too that it's really just an eight-player rotation. Seems like just yeah. eight guys play, eight guys play, but all eight guys contribute in a major way too. So I thought that was a pretty fascinating thing. Yeah, they have, and they've they've gotten really solid contribution out of guys that probably aren't going to uh, necessarily make the box score extremely sexy. But Rivaldo Suarez and Latrell Dardhard are both guys that I think for this team, if they want to get to where you know, I think that they think that they could be by seasons end. Uh, and certainly compete in a, a very strong Big 12. They're going to need those guys to kind of show up every night. They're going to need to get uh, the contribution out of, you know, six, seven, eight guys a night. And there's an Arkansas connection on this Oklahoma team. Of course, the coach, Porter Moser, he coached at Little Rock, and his son, Jake Moser, was actually born in Little Rock. He's a great kid. He's kind of uh, – him and a couple other guys are kind of the uh, the white flag as far as if they get in, you know something really positive has happened for Oklahoma that night. <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's fitting. I think everybody has uh, some of those too, and, uh, and that's what's. I love them. Yeah, I know it's always great. The crowd always gets behind them too, and uh, you know this is the fact that this game's in Tulsa at the BOK Center. I know this is the third and final one because obviously Oklahoma was joining the SEC, but. Uh, just what have you made of the, the three games in this series? I know Oklahoma won the first one, Arkansas won last year, but has it been something that's been kind of cool, maybe try to maybe do again, or is it something that's fine, but hey, let's go back to home and homes and start playing each other in their own arenas? Oh, I think it's something that I, everybody has enjoyed. I, I do think it's a phenomenal atmosphere up at the BOK, and it's usually, let's be honest about it, it's usually uh, 80-20 Arkansas fans, which has made for kind of an interesting environment or a fun environment from the Oklahoma perspective. Um, at the same time, though, when it becomes a conference game, I if they wanted to go home at home, I don't think anybody would complain. I'd like to get out the Bud Walton after watching that Duke game a couple weeks ago. 
uh, I think that that would be certainly a fun atmosphere to go cover a game in. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that everybody in Tulsa enjoys hosting it. Uh, it's a lot of fun to get out there and kind of be in what is something of an NCAA environment uh, or an NCAA tournament regional. So uh, if they want to go home and home, though, I'd be completely fine with that as well. Arkansas has uh, a lot of guards on the roster, and so they have a nice rotation that they can go to. What's the guard play like for OU? It's been, a, uh, it's been significant. I think that that's probably the best place to start. Javon McCollum has kind of uh, put his, uh, I guess, emphasis or his exclamation point on kind of the national scene as well as he's played uh, over the course of the season, averaging I think it's just under 16 points a game, 18 points a game in uh, you know second on the team in minutes to 28. And then Will Suzon, I mean, he was a top 100 guy. He got plenty of experience a year ago as a freshman kind of being thrown into it. I don't know if that was necessarily, uh, you know, what they wanted to do, but I think that they're kind of uh, reaping the rewards of that now with a, a very experienced player, even though he's just a true sophomore. And, uh, you know, they've been extremely good alongside one another, uh, you know, one and two in minutes played. And everything, I think, kind of runs through those guys. They're good distributors of the basketball. And J.V. McCollum is simply a guy that Oklahoma hasn't had in a while in terms of somebody that can go and really get his own shot and create for himself offensively. So uh, that's been a pleasant surprise. You never know how somebody like that is going to uh, you know, transition his game coming over from Siena. But it has gone – I probably, if you put a true serum in Porter Moser, it's gone a little bit better than he thought it would. And, uh, you know, Tega Owe, as I said earlier, he's – really developed himself on the offensive end. You see the athleticism. You see reasons why he was a top 100 guy coming out of high school. But he seems more confident, more uh, sure of himself on the offensive end. And I think that that has uh, you know, certainly led to his uptick in uh, contribution this year. Speaking with Eddie Radosovich of Soonerscoop.com here on Out of Bounds. Now, Eddie, I know we'll talk a little football with you because it is still uh, some portal season stuff, but I've always been curious about Oklahoma and just how the fan base is on the basketball side of things. We know it's a football school and it's driven by that, but uh, you had some years, of course, with Blake Griffin. Think about Buddy Heald, and uh, now it seems like they're off to a really good start. Just how do fans embrace Oklahoma Sooner basketball? Is Is it a fan base that's rabid for it when it's good? Is it always got a lot of support? Just what's the feeling and vibe and mood of uh, Oklahoma Sooner basketball. It's rabid right now. They're in the top 15 of the net rating. And I think that, you know, obviously that has been kind of, I think, a critique of the Oklahoma fan base here over the last, I don't, you know, decade or so, maybe even more so the last five years specifically when they have struggled on the court is that uh, there isn't a whole lot of support. Now they do fill up the place, you know, for the big games, whether it be a Texas or an Oklahoma State or a Kansas coming into Norman. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think probably much like everybody else across the country in terms of college basketball, uh, they're not filling up the arena on a Tuesday night against, you know, insert directional schools. So, uh, you know, if they can continue to uh, play at the level that they are, I think that this is a team that Oklahoma fans will get behind because of the fun brand of basketball that they're playing, the, the just sheer difference in athleticism that they have this year against last year's team is drastic. And I think that, uh, you know, even here over the last couple nights that they've been playing at the Lloyd Noble Center, the crowds have started to show out a little bit more. And, uh, you know, maybe it's uh, because they're interested in basketball. Maybe it's because people want to distract themselves from uh, the college football playoff and everything that is with Texas. Oklahoma's playing Arizona in the Alamo Bowl. And uh, Dylan Gabriel, starting quarterback, is in the transfer portal. So, they're going to have to go with a different quarterback in the game. Were you surprised about Dylan Gabriel in the transfer portal? I was surprised just for the fact that 
I think everybody thought he was going to the NFL. That had been said repeatedly uh, throughout the football season. It's interesting to me that I, I just don't know if Dylan has uh, much of another option. I, he wasn't invited to the Senior Bowl. Uh, you know, that would lead you to believe that his draft grade probably wasn't what he expected in the world of NIL. You can go make one and a half, two million dollars somewhere else. I think that, you know, that's certainly uh, a, a appealing option for him. And, you know, I think it simply came down to everybody was on the same page in Norman in terms of at the start of 2024, it was going to be Jackson Arnold's team. He's, you know, a former five star guy, uh, one of the more heralded quarterback commits that Oklahoma's had in, you know, the last decade probably um there's a pretty good echelon of uh, oklahoma quarterbacks that have gone on to do pretty good things in college but they think this kid could be really really good and you know it's not necessarily that he was uh you know not invited back to be in 2024 if dylan gabriel wanted to play college football i think it has more so to do with the understanding that um they're ready to move on and start the jackson era, uh, arnold there as they make their way into the sec in the next few years to come so what do you think ends up having to dylan gabriel is there a certain team you think he goes think to he- I think he's going to go to Oregon. I'd be really, really surprised if it wasn't Oregon. There's, uh, you know, there's there's too many, uh, I, I think, parallels uh, that you know would appeal to somebody like a Dylan Gabriel being able to step into an offense that obviously uh, knows a little bit about what they're doing. Uh, Will Stein was actually in Norman, I believe, on Tuesday morning meeting with him. And you know, if you really want to, you know, kind of get into all of it, he grew up with Marcus Mariota, idolizing him, being from Hawaii. Oregon actually opens the 2024 season at Hawaii, which would be kind of a cool storyline and angle uh, for Gabriel. So I think everybody around here feels like he's going to uh, Oregon, and it's kind of interesting that, you know, just the disparity between the venom that was when Caleb Williams left a year ago to USC to join Lincoln Riley versus kind of the position that Dylan Gabriel's in right now, where I think a lot of people are extremely excited for Jackson Arnold to take over and extremely appreciative of uh, Dylan Gabriel and kind of where he fit into the uh, – Oklahoma program over the last two years in the spots that they were in, uh, you know, when Lincoln left and Brent Venables was really trying to build the foundation uh, for his program. Seems like Oklahoma is just a factory for offensive coordinators. Jeff Levy, he leaves as the head coach for Mississippi State, replaced by Seth Luttrell, who's a pretty good offensive coordinator and uh, offensive mind in his own right. No doubt about it. It's, uh, you know, I think everybody – I don't know about necessarily surprised because I think there is a thought process there that everybody knew Jeff Levy was going to eventually get a head coaching job. I don't think that it, everybody thought it was going to be two years into his reign in Norman. And, you know, I think everybody around there is pretty happy for Jeff and taking over a Mississippi State program that he had a lot of connections with, specifically with Zach Selman, who's currently the athletic director that had actually hired Jeff in Norman. He was sat in on those uh, processes. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma's, I mean, every coordinator, I think over the last 25 to 30 years, has gone on to uh, become a head coach somewhere. And, you know, I think that, you know, that's something that Oklahoma fans are probably not necessarily proud of, but it is something that they've been extremely fortunate uh, with, with uh, kind of the line of office coordinators that they've had success with over the last 15, 20 years. So now with uh, Oklahoma, of course, you know, joining the SEC and, and everything in the next year, which is a pretty exciting and wild time, uh, you know, SEC fans a year ago felt like, oh, Oklahoma and Texas joining. Well, we're not too scared of them. But now suddenly this year, you got Texas in the playoff and Oklahoma is in there with a 10-2 and record that beat Texas. So just uh, did this season, I'm not saying that there was ever any fear or anything like that, but did this season kind of get everybody even more amped up to join the SEC to where 
uh, depending on what the schedules look like and everything, but they feel pretty good about stepping in right now, even though Venables has only been a coach for a few seasons. Yeah, for sure. I think that there's certainly uh, the same excitement level that uh, was in Norman probably when they made the announcement that, uh, you know, Oklahoma and Texas would be joining the SEC. And I think that, you know, with the way that the season played out, it's kind of funny because if you would have asked Oklahoma fans coming off of the sixth and seventh season a year ago, if you're going to get at the beginning of August, if you would have said you're going to win 10 games, you're going to go 10 and 2, you're going to beat Texas, I think 95% of the fan base would have signed up for that. Uh, if you pull the fan base right now, they're probably still angry about the way that they lost in Lawrence and in Stillwater. Uh, but with that said, I think the trajectory of the program, what they're doing in the transfer portal, what they're doing in uh, you know the last two uh, recruiting classes specifically, along with the class that's coming in, the 2024 group, that could probably end up having the best defensive line group that they have brought in in 20 years. Uh, there is a, a, certainly a, a lot of excitement for the direction of the program, for the trajectory of things that Brent's building in Norman, and uh, it's going to be kind of fun to see how it all comes together. And it's it does give you a little bit of a pause, though, when you look at that schedule or what you have the idea of the uh, Oklahoma 2024 schedule is. And, you know, if, if you're having to go to open with Tennessee and Norman and then at LSU, Texas, and at Old Miss in a four-week stretch, I think it's a little bit different than what people have been uh, used to uh, here in Norman over, you know, the last, uh, you know, however many years since they've been in the Big 12. You mentioned the defensive line. Is that the strength of the team moving forward that, uh, you know, you can kind of project how this team is going to look? Know that there are a lot of moves that can be made in the transfer portal, but is that where you would say the strength of the team is? No, I mean, I I certainly wouldn't say it's the strength. I mean, maybe in a couple years they're going to be so damn young, though, along the front next year that uh, I think it's probably unrealistic. We'll see what they do in the transfer portal. I think it's unrealistic to think that, some of these 2024 kids are going to step in and be able to give a massive contribution to 2024. But at the same time, I do think that, you know, they have a really strong uh, recruiting class coming together. As far as, like, strength, I think they feel pretty strong about the safety group coming back next year. Uh, You know, I think that they feel pretty confident about the wide receiver unit that Jackson Arnold is going to have uh, to utilize as well. So um, I might go wide receiver. I think that they were really young uh, this year. They had some guys that flash, whether it be a Nick Anderson or a Jaden Gibson or, uh, you know, Jaquette Hedaway, who was a true freshman this season, then obviously it's expected that Jalil Farouk returns instead of opting into, uh, you know, an, an NFL future, just not yet. So we'll see kind of how it all comes together. It's going to be kind of fun to see what this offense looks like under Seth Luttrell uh, come December 28th when they take on Arizona in the, uh, in the Alamo Bowl. All right, last question for you, Gay. I'm just a random question, just pulling it out of my hat. Just I, I want to ask everybody this, but I'm asking you. Uh, USC went seven and five this year. What'd you make of that? What do you think? I loved it. I wish it would have been uh, five and seven, but you know, I'm cheering for whoever they're playing in the Holiday Bowl. Who are they playing again? Uh, uh, Louisville. I'm big Louisville fan. Yeah, you've always been a big Louisville guy. I know you have been. Yeah, <laughs> big, always, yeah, always. Big Louisville guy. So hey, Eddie, it's gonna be great, man. You gonna be making the trip to Tulsa? Will you be there tomorrow? I will be up there. All right, I will as well, man. So we'll uh, we'll catch yeah, we'll catch up, man. It'll be a good time. Eddie Radosvich, SoonerScoop.com. Appreciate it, Eddie. Have a great weekend, man. You bet, guys. Anytime.